Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Now we are always looking for a bit of inspiration on the show late at night and tonight I'm thrilled to have in the studio Matt Keenan, a mental health advocate who went from having a mental health breakdown to being a men's mental health life coach. And of course this comes at a time on the 10th of October, of course, is World Mental Health Day. And his story is quite, I suppose it's, it's almost beating the impossible to some degree. Matt, good ar- or good evening to you. I was going to say good afternoon, I don't even know what time of day it is. Good <laughs> evening to you, Matt. Nice to talk to you. No, how are you doing? Uh, Matt, I mean, well, let's start at the start. You know, what led you down the path of, I suppose, depression in the first place? Or, or what led you down that path? That's a very good question. Um, I don't think you could pinpoint it to one single thing either, you know. I think I've... Um, I've always had a lot of anxiety inside me. Um, it's like since you were young or since you were a kid, yeah, like you'd be yeah, worried about everything. Really, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just never really knew kind of what it was, you know, and that kind of manifested in different things like, you know, different emotional issues, anger, that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And then it came to, I think, lockdown kind of, you know, magnified, exacerbated it to, to a certain degree. How old are you, sorry, Matt? I don't mean to ask your age, but how old are you? Because I think that's important as well. But how old are you now? I'm 40. I'll be 41 at Christmas. All right, okay. So... Up to, up to COVID, you were kind of, although you had the anxiety, you were kind of handling life reasonably well, or you got through it. I got through it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was the, the lockdowns and everything. I had a good routine, I guess, before, and then like everybody else around the world, and certainly here, we had some, as you know yourself, we had some severe lockdowns and, and restrictions mm. in place. So going from having a good routine, you know, leaving the house, going to the office, all of that kind of yeah. stuff, to, to be, being confined in a room. Sitting there with your pajamas and cornflakes for the day, yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. difficult for everybody, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, um, so the, the breakdown happened, and I, uh, you know, I spoke to my wife and was like, Look, what, yeah. do we, what do we do? And I decided, Okay, look, I'll go to the doctor, I'll, I'll see what he says. Um, and I think I was in, and were you him. feeling, I mean, we, sorry for interrupting me, yeah. when you went to the doctor that time. It, it was obviously bad for you to want to go to a doctor. You were, was it a case of not wanting to get up in the morning? People describe these symptoms of, you know, not wanting to get out of bed, lack of focus, just constantly worrying about, I imagine, bills and all the usual things that people worry about, but everything gets kind of magnified in your head. Is it Because I've often had those days. I, I, you wake up and you're worried about something, but you actually don't know what you're worried about. You're yeah. just worried about everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and it actually gets really in on you. It's, you just can't get yourself out of that mood. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like it was like it kind of got to the point for me where it was like, look, what, what, what? I, I had been through different types of counselling over the years, you know, bereavement counselling, kind of anger management, that kind of stuff. But this time it felt really serious. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, right, well, let's go to the doctor. Let's see what he says. You know, maybe he can put me in touch with somebody or, or whatever the case is. And you know, after being in the office with him for ten, fifteen minutes, I was. He's like, look, you've got depression. Let's put you on some medication. Uh, and see how that works. You know, give me a shout. Did he month. mention talk therapy? Did he mention? He, he did. He did kind of say, "Look, we're going to put you on meds. Let's see how they're going. You know, if you want to, you know, outside we'll of this, somebody. look yeah. up for somebody that kind of thing." Blah blah blah. But it wasn't. It was kind of a passing comment, if that makes oh, sense. Okay, the medication um, was the priority. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it was like, give me a shout in a month, and let's see how you get on. So I. Started what was the medication, taking, by the way? Was it Valium or? It was Venaflexin. It was called. Okay, okay. Um, so that that goes in doses of thirty-seven point five milligrams each each okay. time. Which I'm so, assuming has the usual black box warnings on it that some of these medications, although they can work for some people, 
um, I, I don't know who they work for, but they do work for some people and they, they help to get them through life, I mm-hmm. suppose, to some degree. But they do, they can have really bad side effects. They can, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so for me, it was like, look, I, I gave him a call a month later and I thought, look, it's, it, I don't feel any different. It's not working, you know, I don't okay. feel like it's making much of a difference. So the dosage was increased and a month later it was increased and a month later it was increased. Um, so I go from, that was like end of, January, February time up until around August, September, and I was up on two hundred and sixty-five milligrams a day. Wow! Yeah. At that point, and and like by that point, then Niall, I was I was a, a goat, a zombie. Is the only okay. way of putting it. So you were zonked out of your head basically all day. Yeah, I I didn't feel anything. Is is the only way of putting it. I was just an empty shell. Is is yeah. the only way you know. Um, I'm quite a tactile person, so even with the wife and kids, I wasn't as tactile as I normally would be. That's what I was going to say. It would have a huge effect on your relationship as well, and your relationship with your children too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting angrier and angrier and angrier because. And it's how was that affecting now. your work? Were you working from home at the time, or were you doing remote work, or what were you doing? Uh, working remotely still. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing. There was a lot of one of the side effects to it is is almost like a brain fog. So you're you're forgetting things and you're yeah misplacing so it affects your performance yeah exactly yeah. yeah 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 so um so that kind of, like it was just getting worse and worse and worse for me because I'm being treated for depression when I'm a ball of anxiety <laughs> Do you know, I know what I mean? I, so yeah um so it just it wasn't working and and things were just getting worse and worse and worse until it you know from a male's perspective I didn't know what else to do and wasn't able to talk about it didn't know know what else I could do about it and the only option for me at the time felt like well I, n- I need to check out here I'm I'm done with it's, feeling it's so like sad this. that you'd feel like that yeah 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 I'm glad you didn't by the way I'm glad you're here tonight talking thank you very much yeah. um so did you try I had it planned yeah yeah I knew exactly what it was going to do um and it was interesting I was listening to the show on the way in and you were talking about you know the cost of living crisis and the budget and everything next week and it kind of reminded me um Back in the recession times, and, and this kind of brings me to to my plans, as it were, my method, I guess. Um, during the recession times, there was a, a, an increase in single car fatalities um, and male mm. suicides. Yeah. Um, and the reason for it is the coroner and the pathologist can't call a single car traffic accident or uh, a suicide. It has to be the one ruled out as a, a road traffic accident. Right. Okay. So. So if, a, so if a guy got into his car and he was so worked up and ran himself into a wall, yeah. that was a road traffic accident. It's a road traffic accident. It's not suicide. Was that, was that your plan, by the way? And that was the plan. That was mine. So does it? Does a strip? I don't know if you know it or not. Kind of between the Bray North and Bray South exit yeah. on the N11, um, you're coming from 120 onto 100 kilometers yeah. an hour. That's the speed. You can kind of bend that a little bit <laughs> yeah. if you needed to. Yeah. And it was a road barrier, and and the plan was to drive straight into it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the reason for it is because the, the coroner... You've you got to be so bad yeah. in such a bad way to think of something, to do something so bad to yourself as a person and not value yourself enough yeah. to do that. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. I think that's that's the big one. Like, even from, from a, again, from a male perspective, like, we're, we're taught not to talk. We're told not to show emotions and show, show fear. Yeah, we're macho, we're cool. Stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, we're macho and Absolutely. cool. Absolutely, we have to be these strong, stoic, alpha males all the time, put on a brave yeah. face, you know. Big boys up. don't cry. Absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah, you know, many times, even as a kid, you're told when you're upset or feeling sad and you're, your parents turn around, so you're upset about it. I'll give you something to be upset about. You know, yeah. it's constantly being invalidated. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so for me, that was the that was the route to check what out. Got, what got you? What got you past the point of wanting to check out? Did Did you talk to somebody or 
yeah, hear it, it was, happening to somebody else yeah, and, and just was, kind of I, say life's too short. I had gone out in the car and I was I was going. Um, and I didn't, thankfully, I got home and I think at, at that point... The, the did you go to Bray? Oh, I live, I, I live in Bray. I'm well, oh, you live in Bray, yeah, okay. Yeah, so so it was so, basically around the corner from where I live. So so you made you made the step to do it. You were mm-hmm. actually going to do it. Yeah. You were in the car. Yeah. And what, what was it that in your moment, in your, in your mind? Because I know for me what it would be. It would be my wife. You know, it would be my kids, whatever. Well, that's it. That, 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 that was, was what stopped That you. was exactly it. I know if you, if you, when you, when you drive close to the edge of the road and you hit the little bumps and you can feel them in the car, mm-hmm. um, that kind of checked Woke me up. out of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then it was like, what the hell are you doing? Go home. Um, yeah. And I got back to the house and I was wound up and, you know, everything is obviously all over the place. Um, and then I thought, right, I really need to talk to somebody because this is not working. So I, I went out and I looked for a therapist and I found a really good psychotherapist in, in Bray and spent the next, I don't know, probably six months or so, uh, once a week in, in some mm-hmm. intense psychotherapy uh, with, with her. And, and it was what was funny was... Um, it was probably session nine or ten, right? So that's ten hours, say, with a with a psychotherapist. When she realised, Matt, you don't have depression. You've you've got severe anxiety or GAD, generalised anxiety disorder. But my anxiety gets so bad that it sends me into a depressive spiral. So if I don't keep an eye on my anxiety, it'll get so bad. I'll, I'll have these depressive episodes. Basically, mm. is what it is. And do you think the medication had anything to do? Because I know some of the medication, you know, the, the side effects can be, you know, suicidal ideation. Mm. Yeah. So do you think the medication had anything to do with the way you? Was it exasperating it and I, compounding I the way so, you felt? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think from my own perspective as well, I probably should have gone to speak to somebody sooner. Do you know what I mean? I thought, yeah. you know, maybe there was a little bit of naivety in there that I don't know the tablets will work. It'll be fine. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um. But definitely, I think they exacerbated it to 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 a certain degree. And 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 on the point of medication, like the so the first two episodes of the podcast are kind of me telling my story, and then you know medication or therapy, which which is one. Yeah. And I kind of look at it as a, a a horses for courses scenario. Like I know guys who are on antidepressants, and they wouldn't be the people they are without them. Um, for me, I had a bad experience on them. They didn't suit me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I interviewed a woman there going back about seven years ago. It's a famous story, actually. Her son, uh, her uh, his girlfriend broke it up with him. And he was only 17, and he was depressed. So his mother brought him to the doctor. Mm-hmm. She put him on SSRIs, is that yeah. what they're called? Yeah, yeah, that's the one, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, same as yourself. It wasn't doing any good. He was still depressed. So they up the dose, up yeah. the dose, up the dose. And that was constantly the answer to up the dose. Sadly, he went into Dunn stores, bought a set of knives, and killed the new boyfriend. Um, and his mother for years has been fighting, you know, this idea of just medicating somebody immediately. She campaigns for it. She's a brilliant woman. She campaigns for it because she, her son had never been in trouble in his life. He wasn't an aggressive person. He wasn't, wasn't this person who did this, who yeah, committed this, yeah. this tragedy, tragic murder, essentially. Um, um, but sadly, he died himself as well. Yeah, um, yeah. But And since I know who you're talking about, I had his uh, yeah. brother on the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, yeah. I hope I'm getting the story accurate. I'm trying to remember it from five years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. 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 And and it was the medication that made him do it, as far as she's concerned. As far as she, yeah. And she's done yeah. a lot now as well in terms of raising awareness about the medication. And, and I think this is the, the point about it. And I, I know, sorry, and I just want to interrupt you just very quickly because I want to be careful and be conscious of the fact that many people are on antidepressants. Yeah. I don't recommend you go off them based on this conversation. You should talk to your own doctor Absolutely. about that as well because they could be good for beneficial for you, but obviously you have to be cautious. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, for me, 
<clears throat> I had a bad experience, but that's my my experience. You know, I I can't say that they're bad or that they're good in any way, shape, or form. I can only talk about my experience personally on them. And and in mm. one of the episodes of the podcast, I kind of use the sports analogy, right? In that, if you're playing football, you get a bad tackle, you go down, you'll go to the doctor, he'll give you painkillers, but we'll probably send you to a physio to get the, the, the muscles rebuilt and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So look at it that way. The antidepressants, the medication the doctor gives you is to kind of, in the interim, help with the pain, but the real work is going to be done with the therapist. That's my yeah. view on it. That's my opinion. They work for some people. They don't work for other people. We've heard stories, you know, that will back up both of those arguments. Yeah. It, it's a personal choice for you, and it's it, it only you will know if they're going to work for you or not. That's the way. But speak to a therapist, speak to your doctor. And even coming off my meds, so it took me... I was going to say, let's get back to your story. So <laughs> yeah. you, you came home, you decided you need to talk to somebody, you went <laughs> to a therapist. Yeah. And and from that point then, did it start looking up then, yeah? Yeah, so when once once I realised that it wasn't depression, that it was anxiety, I thought, right, look, I need to come off these meds because they're not helping me in any way, shape or form. So like that, I spoke to the doctor, I told him what I was doing, and he's like, okay, well, let's start reducing it because you can't just stop taking them either, right? The, the withdrawals from those meds Absolutely. can be... <clears throat> again, horses You're going to wean yourself off these things. Yeah, yeah, you have to wean yourself off them. And it can be severe for some, but it can be okay for, for others. Again, for me, I found as I was coming down that I was I was shaking, I was rattling, I was getting these tingles, that kind of stuff. Uh, sleep pattern was was all over the place for, for, for a good while there mm. then as well. Um, but then look, coming out of it and having the meds out in my system, I guess thinking clearly again with the, with the counselling, um, and all of that kind of stuff. It was, I'd gone back into the office a couple of days a week and I was in the office one day and I thought, I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, I can't do the corporate world. I can't do this. I, I can't have gone through all of that and not do something about it, I guess. And, and yeah. that's kind of where the idea then of, of the podcast came from. Um, mm. I'm reaching out to people online and different forums, different groups on Facebook to try and get an understanding as to, you know, how widespread is that men don't talk, men shouldn't talk problem, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And so off the back of all of that, it's just been, yeah, the last couple of years have, have been... Uh, have been. And the podcast is flying, I believe. It's doing really well. The podcast is doing really well now, yeah. Really well, I have Are to Are you say. making a living from it? <laughs> Not just yet, no, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big world out there, podcasts, and it's kind of hard to make a living. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and look, for me, it's it's the you know the podcast is 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 kind a of passion, a, more a passion, else. absolutely. Yeah, and the yeah. stories I've 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 shared and the guys I've spoken to. One of the first guests I have, uh, Justin Truesdale, is in Arizona. Um, he's become a really good friend of mine since starting all of this, and we've actually written a book together, which we we released on Amazon um, a few weeks ago. What's the um, name of the book, by the way? Uh, Problems and Solutions. Um, Problems and Solutions. Yeah, so we basically take a, a a spin on the whole men don't talk kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and looking at it from, from that perspective, like in how, what we're told as kids, you know, uh, man up, don't do that, all of this kind of stuff. And then there's, there's a couple of, as a, you know, bit of advice in there and, and how to talk about mental health and, and what we should be doing to talk about mental health, you know. And, and we should be able to talk about it without people giving out because I, I always feel that, you know, sometimes people have or get a bit antsy when I'm talking about it because I always say there's a difference in feeling sad and being depressed. Yes. You know, I mean, look, you, you, your girlfriend breaks it off but you get marriage breaks down or you lose your job or, or somebody dies. These things can make you feel sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they can make you feel sad for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But there's a massive difference in that and actually being depressed. Absolutely. Um, 
and because people are, I know people who are in the happiest lives when I say mm. the happiest lives they're wealthy they've got a nice house they've got a beautiful wife they've got lovely adorable children uh, you would imagine just no problems in the world but they're manically depressed yeah yeah, and and, and there's, you feel there's no reason for that. You'll say to yourself, "Oh well, I'm living in a two bed. I have bills coming in the door, and I have no money. I have a reason to be depressed, <laughs> but you don't." Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just it's amazing <clears throat> that depression affects people who you don't imagine it affects. And that's that's one of them. I I think that the most interesting thing I found about doing the podcast and, and speaking to the and even the clients that I work with now as a, as a coach and stuff. Um, you know, I've I, one guy, like I said, with Justin, he had his problems with um, the abuse and stuff as a child. I had another guy who was abused by his step-granddad. There was one guy who was, again, depressed and, and had made plans to take his life because he was working away from home so much. You know, he was he mm. was out of the family home for two or three weeks at a time because he was on his own. He was drinking in the evening times on his own. I had a young guy on who had a back injury and he couldn't play football anymore. He was in uni at 19, 20 years of age, should have been living his best life. Um, yeah. But the, the the back injury would, would keep him in bed for three and four days at a time and that kind of stuff. So it could be anything. Anything can send you into that spiral. The yeah. the, the biggest problem is, it, is that, you know, we're told not to talk about it. We're told as kids, don't show emotions, don't do this, don't do that, don't talk, man up. All of this kind of stuff. See, women women are better at dealing with these things because they have a circle of friends. Mm. And women socially are better than men because they trust their circle of friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, as soon as a woman feels like that, she'll ring up her mate and they'll talk about it and she'll ring her other mate and she'll ring her back and all this. Whereas lads, you know, uh, you, you, there's very few lads will turn around to another, to their mate and say, are you feeling okay? Do you want to yeah, talk? Yeah. They, we just, it's not something we, that we do. We should but it's not something that we do. We do. And it's interesting. Like, again, I had a, a psychologist on from uh, America. And we, were, we were having this exact conversation, you know, why men don't talk and how we don't and all the rest of it. And the way I kind of put it to him was there's actually two sides to that. So if we've been told for years, don't talk, don't do it, blah, 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 blah. Um, when one of your friends, one of your, your male friends is in that, situation where he he needs to talk if we if we've grown up in a society where we don't talk and it's not the norm for men to talk about this stuff and one of your friends does actually come to have that conversation with you how are we actually supposed to listen to it and how are we meant to respond to that because we're not used to it because we're not used to it exactly yeah so you you could end up saying the wrong thing or you could mm. end up yeah validating the fact that he shouldn't have been talking in the first place yeah you know um so yeah, it's it's it, it's quite an interesting one to be fair. But it is, like I said, from from the coach and from the podcast, it's it's literally to get guys to start talking about their mental health because, as you quite rightly said, women do it better and they absolutely do. Um, men don't talk, yet we make up seventy eight percent of the global suicide rate. Yeah. So there's definitely a correlation there for sure. And is is that changing? Do you think? Not that I want more women to take their lives, by the way. But but is that changing? Is there is there be start? Are we starting to see an equilibrium in that? in the fact that less men are feeling like that. Not that more women are feeling like that, obviously, but less men are feeling like that. Um, no, I don't think so, to be honest. I think, like, when you look at the stats, I recently did the assist suicide intervention um, training there only a couple of weeks ago. Um, and actually, if you look at the stats, women actually attempt suicide more than men. Men just tend to be a lot more violent with it, so it, it, they do mm. it more, if that makes yeah. sense. They die from yeah. it more. Um, women are what is it, three times more likely to talk about mental health, men are five times more likely to, sorry, women are five times more likely to talk about mental health, men are more, 
three times more likely to uh, attempt and, and die by suicide. Mm. Um, so it, it is that those social expectations that are placed upon men that you know that we shouldn't talk. We don't know how to. So when it gets to that point, when you're in that that dark time, and you've been told for years not to talk about something, what what choice do a lot of these men have? Yeah, no, no, I no, I understand that, and and I suppose going forward, do we need to change how we deal with people when they present themselves at a GP? You know, with depression or feel depressed or they don't actually know what's wrong with them. Mm. Do we need to change how we deal with that? See, that's a that's an interesting one. Like, if from in my experience, I would say yeah, right. But um, I had a conversation with my my daughter about this, and she was kind of talking about the antidepressants and the tablets and stuff, and how they can be, you know, almost like a triage to a certain degree, right? They can they can help in the interim while you um, go and seek out, you know, talk therapy or psychotherapist mm. or whatever the case is. Um, I think there needs to be a lot more awareness around talk therapy. Um, I think there needs to be a lot more access to it as well. Um, I guess, I, for, for, again, from my experience, I was kind of lucky in the sense that, you know, I went privately with mine. So that it costs a lot of money every single week for me to go and see the therapist. There's a lot of people in the country who, you know, maybe don't have that disposable income to be able to do that. So they're waiting on state services um, and, and that can take years, you know, so there definitely needs to be a shift in that somehow. Um, we definitely need to be able to give people more access to those kind of services, absolutely. Mm. Okay, in, in relation to depression in general, um, as a society, do you think we're getting better at dealing with mental health? And Forget about the GPs at the moment. But as people, as human beings, do you think we're getting better at dealing with it? I think to a certain degree we are. I think there's a lot of even from from the corporate world i think and and i think there's a lot of box ticking if yeah. that makes sense um you know like um you said earlier you know world mental health day is the is the the, the, the 10th uh, so so next week so there's going to be you're going to see a lot of stuff all across social media um for that one day which is great because it does raise awareness but then as soon as the 11th comes it's going to drop down you know mm. um i think we we have to be raising awareness and doing things about mental health in the same way that we look at any other type of physical ailment or physical health. You know, the, the, the campaigns need to be running just the same way as, as like, cancer campaigns or, or anything like that. Does that make and sense? And is there financial support there for people? You, because a lot of people feel the barrier there, you know, for mental health is sometimes can be financial. In mm-hmm. other words, they don't have, say, the money to go to a specialist. They go yeah. to the doctor. He recommends somebody. There's, like, a 10-month waiting list or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So you need to go privately. So is, is there any financial support or is that something we should be looking at? Again, that's something we should be looking at a hell of a lot more, absolutely. Because like you quite rightly said, for me, I was able to go and pay for it and I had the money there to do it. If I if I didn't, I'd have been on a waiting list for, for God knows how long to, to, to go and see someone. And we hear stories about that as well. You know, you, um, even in in the, the assist training that, that I did, they were talking about... You know, if somebody is in that dark place and you, you bring them, you ring an ambulance for them or you bring them into the hospital, they can be checked out and discharged within a couple of hours without mm. any type of follow-up. Um, and, and these people can just walk straight out of the hospital and go and do what they were planning on doing two hours earlier. You know, So there, there yeah. has to be a much, much bigger focus um, on mental health. And, and, and when somebody is presenting themselves to a, to a doctor, to a hospital, to whatever the case is, they need to be taken very, very seriously. Yeah. So you... 
when I say we don't take people seriously, I, I think we misdiagnose people on a regular basis. I, th- I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? We're misdiagnosing it. Because there's so many aspects to depression or uh, high anxiety or whatever it happens to be that you have. And you mentioned GAD. I mean, there's, there's so many aspects to what could be wrong with you. And we're not actually looking into why a person is feeling like that. We just know they are feeling like that. Let's give them medication. In other words, we don't ask them about the background. You know, is it your work? Is it the bills? Is it financial? Is it, you know what I mean? What what is the reason and how can you fix that problem to make life better, to make you feel better? Because in most cases, there is a root cause, isn't Mm -hmm. there? Absolutely. I mean, in in your case, it was COVID. You know, it was the lockdowns. It was the the isolation. It was the, you know, that feeling of, I suppose, being in the house and and not being able to escape. (laughs) It was that that kind of feeling, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I I mean, I think... I, I don't think lockdown wasn't the cause of it. It certainly exacerbated it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was able to keep a handle on it, I think, to a certain degree prior to it. I think the lockdowns and everything did, they didn't make it any, any no, easier. Not easier. But like you say, like, absolutely, like when I presented myself to the doctor with a group of symptoms, right, between depression and anxiety, there's a lot of symptoms that overlap with each other. Yeah. So I could describe five symptoms and it could be one or the other, you know? Um, and I think that's the issue with it. It's it it like when you look at my experience. Fifteen minutes with the doctor, and he said, "Right, it's depression." There's the SSRIs. Um, with the therapist, it was nine, ten sessions in. So that's like nine or ten hours with a a therapist who has a a, a master's in psychotherapy. It took her ten hours to realize that it's not depression; it's anxiety, and what type of anxiety it was. Um, and then how to look at the triggers, how to look at the stresses, how to work on different things to try and keep that at bay. So as you quite rightly said, yeah, it, it's it, there mm-hmm. is a sense of of over not over prescribing but over diagnosing or diagnosing. Well, do you think? Quickly. Yeah, but do you think doctors need to be re-educated? Because we only talked going back a while ago, and I know it's a completely different subject, but it was female menopause, right? And you know, the idea that, and we, we spoke to specialists in relation to this, they said, women go to doctors, their GP, inverted commas, and they present with symptoms. And the doctor is not really qualified in the field of menopause and will write the symptoms off as something else. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you just need more sleep or whatever it is or something like that. Whereas, and, and the same maybe goes for depression, that maybe, you know, doctors in general, I mean, as much as the best best intentions in the world, but they're not really trained to deal with everything. They can't because there's so many. The human body is capable of so many problems that you couldn't be trained in everything. So, do we need more doctors that specifically deal with mental health, that deal with anxiety, that deal with depression, and they would be specific GPs? Do we need more of that? I would like to think so. Yeah, yeah. I would like to think that you know, within when when you you know go back twenty years, right, and and you had the one doctor in the surgery, and that was your GP. You go into any GP surgery now, you could probably see five, six different doctors at any given time, depending on which mm-hmm. one you happen mm-hmm. to get an appointment with. If you're lucky to get an appointment <laughs> in, in that regard, yeah, you're not allowed, you're not allowed to get sick. Yeah, <laughs> Pr- yeah, yeah. Impromptu, you have to give them warning that you're going to get sick nowadays. Absolutely. Three um, weeks warning. Yeah. So I do, I do for yes, we do need more. I get you know, mental health experts, if that's the right way of putting it. Not necessarily doctors, but people who are trained in in understanding the mental health. Um, issues, the disorders, you know what the what the symptoms are, you know how the how the the, the person is is displaying themselves, um, the stuff that they're talking about, and then putting them down the right track, you know, putting them on 
maybe a, a list to go and see a counselor i think we, we need to see a huge uprise in in people taking psychotherapy and counseling classes and courses mm-hmm. and degrees yeah. and that kind of stuff we need a lot more of them out there because so we need we need to encourage people into those absolutely. things those into those professions absolutely yeah 100 percent um yeah. because there isn't enough at the moment um and like look it's like anything in the in the, in the country at the moment now everything is, is sort of oversubscribed at the moment you know and there's huge waiting lists for for all areas of um of, of public health um, mm. so there, there definitely has to be a push in in, in that direction for sure I mean, a lot of texts, by the way, coming in at the moment, by the way, suggesting that you're doing a wonderful job. <laughs> you, you obviously, you now have kind of turned a corner and you're helping other people too. So you're doing exactly what you're preaching when your lads are talking. So you're helping other people. Is it, it's, I'm assuming it's mainly men that come to you. Uh, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's, it's, it, I, I, I deal with men, basically. Men with, yeah. with high level stress and anxiety, um, different mental health issues. We, I have a program that I take them through. Um, from, a, from a coaching perspective and then leading into a mentoring element then as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then I also go into businesses and companies and deliver mental health workshops, you know, how to break the stigmas of it, how to okay. get guys to talk about it, how to kind of spot it then in, in your colleagues and that kind of stuff because I think a lot of it is, um, you know, you, you I, might talk to somebody in work where you're not going to talk to maybe a family member or that kind of thing, but it, it's how to spot that conversation. I'd say some up. professions are worse than others. Like, for example, the construction industry is probably one of the worst professions because they're not going to talk to each other about stuff like that unless you, you try and talk to them first. You know, whereas if you're in a mixed an office where you may have male and female and there's a kind of lighter mood to this place, you might talk to somebody. But when you're in a construction site, I suppose, with loads of these burly men walking around, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of... The mat- you can, the place is oozing macho-ness. It's more difficult for a guy to come out there and talk about something like that, isn't it? It, it? it is. And again, that just brings it brings it back to the social stigmas and, and, and societal expectations of the whole thing, Noel, you know, um, mm. because we're, we're constantly being told, like as I keep saying all night, we're constantly being told not to talk, not to do it. And, and like as you say, if you're in, in that kind of environment uh, where it is such a male-dominated in, environment, um, do I say something to that guy? Do I tell him I'm not feeling well? I broke up the girlfriend. I'm feeling really sad. Or, you know, marriage is ending. What do I do? Who do I talk to? Um, it only takes one off-the-cuff comment for that bloke to hear. And he's, he's not going to open his mouth. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and yeah. we, we need to make it more socially acceptable for blokes to start talking about mental health. Because, like I said earlier, 77, 78% of global suicide rates are men. Um, mm-hmm. I think the statistic in the UK and Ireland, um, there'll be 14 men will die today, tonight, between the UK and Ireland, every day. That's shocking, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and by the way, in relation to that, and, and but I don't want to leave out the fact that women do take their lives as no, well. No, no, 100%. But, but, not yeah, a, but yeah. obviously not to the same extent. No. And we've seen that throughout the years. <laughs> Pardon me, sorry. Do you believe that we should encourage children in primary school to learn more about positive lifestyle and encourage them to talk as well because that's where we kind of start it's like everything it's like with crime and all these other things you got to nip it in the bud at an early age yeah so should we be talking a little bit more particularly to young boys i suppose and maybe girls too but you're certainly young boys in school and teaching them how to talk absolutely absolutely and, mm. and i think that's where the change needs it needs to come you know i even have i've companies that will come to me and ask you know what do we do how do we and it's like it, you change the culture that's where it comes from. That's where the change happens. It's 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 a cultural mm. change that has to happen, and it has to start from the from the ground up. Um, if you have, you know, kids going into primary school and they're learning 
tools about you know self-regulation they're learning tools about mental well-being and, and all of that kind of stuff it's going to follow them through their whole lives and um, if you make it the everyday norm for kids whether it's you know girls or boys uh, to talk about mental health and talk about well-being then it, it's just going to have a natural progression as they as they move forward and everyone's yeah. going to start doing it that's the thing um, so it, it doesn't become that stigma it doesn't become that taboo subject anymore whereas you know for me growing up it definitely was how you didn't talk about mental health growing up and men no. even now very rarely talk about mental health um but like as you mm-hmm. quite early said absolutely if if I'd, I'd love to see you know curriculums going into schools um i actually i did a podcast with uh an ex-england rugby player tom johnson not too long ago um and he's developed this software it's like a gamified software that he's he's pushing into uh, primary schools where it gets kids to do exactly that so they have a little avatar that they play with every morning and based on what they do with the avatar will um, ping stuff to the teachers to say you might want to keep an eye on that kid or you might want to have a chat with him about this um, but it's it's promoting that mental well-being on a constant basis so that it just becomes the everyday norm uh, Alright well look if people want to learn more it's been a very interesting conversation I have to say and I'm sure most people would find it would have been an interesting conversation but they can hear more of it and more in-depth conversation in relation to if you're anxious if you're feeling depressed and you're looking for someone to talk to and how to do all that and the podcast is called The Anxious Lad well, and why is there dots between the L, the A and the D by the way what does the lad so, stand for? So lad stands for living with anxiety and depression Oh, right. Okay. Very good. Yeah, very yeah. good. That's a good play on words. I <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, The Anxious Lad, and you can get it on all the usual places Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, all those kind of places. You yeah, can find it yeah. all the usual. So, it's called The Anxious Lad. What's the book called again, by the way? Uh, the book is called Problems and Solutions uh, Navigation Tools. So Problems it's and on Solutions. Um, yeah. And actually, an interesting one on the Amazon one. So, I think, I think we have to thank Brexit for this. Um, for some reason, it you can't buy the paperback on Amazon.co.uk, but you can get the Kindle. If you want the paperback one, go to Amazon.de or Amazon.fr. So any any other European <laughs> Amazon right, okay. site, basically. anywhere apart from the British. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Pretty Maybe much. they just don't like it, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you'll find the book uh, there on Amazon. You'll also find the podcast on all the usual places. The Anxious Lad. Uh, Matt Keenan. Matt, listen, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, I really, really appreciate it and it's been lovely talking to you. Thanks, Mina. I appreciate it. And continued success with the podcast and with the books and everything else. Thank you very much. Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show.